our scripture reading is from John 8, 28 through 38, and it reads, So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me, and the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples, if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Thank you, Chelsea. Let's pray. Father, you are a God who delights in setting people free. That that's who you are at the heart of who you are. God, you love setting the captive free. And to whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Those are words promised from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, tonight we claim that promise in the name of Jesus. By the shed blood of Jesus, we claim your promise. And we ask that, Lord, you would show us your freedom. Show us your freedom in this season of life. Lord, I speak on behalf of my brothers and sisters in Christ in the room. We do not desire to be slaves to sin. And Lord, more than us, you do not desire us to be slaves to sin. And so God, I pray that you would pave the way as you already have richly in the blood of Jesus provided victory for us, that you would pave the way for us to walk in that victory in the name of Jesus by the power of your spirit. God, would you bless us tonight as we see what you have for us in this life, in this season, what you are calling us to. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Do you know what a rule of thumb is? According to the dictionary, a rule of thumb is a broadly accurate guide or principle based on experience or practice rather than theory. Examples like this, uh, the traditional rule of thumb when showing up to a party at someone's house is to bring with you a gift. Uh, It is a general guideline or rule of thumb that you don't wear white after Labor Day. Uh, Look both ways before crossing the street is a rule of thumb for pedestrians. There are no strict laws enforcing such behavior, but it is generally in the person's best interest to observe these guidelines so much as they can. Uh, Tonight, we will see the Apostle Paul give a good rule of thumb to all churches about their calling. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn in them to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians as a letter to the church in Corinth over a variety of matters. 
at the beginning of the letter, he addresses them as saints, God's holy ones who have called upon the name of Jesus Christ to save them from their sins. Many of them had been dabbling in sexual misconduct that was common in the Corinthian culture at the time. Paul corrects them towards a biblical sex ethic. One thing in particular that, particular that needed correcting, as we learned last week, was their assumption that all sex was defiling. Paul gave a threefold response to this misconception. God actually encourages a husband and wife to have sex regularly. He invites single men and women to pursue celibacy or to pursue marriage. And he enables broken homes to have peace. And that's where we'll pick it up in verse 17 tonight. As we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 through 24, God's word says this. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Let me pray. Gracious Lord, there are so many of us tonight wondering what is it that you are calling us to. And so God, I pray that we would plainly see in Scripture as you spoke through the Apostle Paul, God, that you would, Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight. Uh, God, would you be with us in spirit and in truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, tonight's sermon title is God's Calling for your life. God's calling for your life. And some of y'all are looking at me, Cross, you better deliver on this. <laughs> the stakes are high. When you say something like, God's calling for my life. <clears throat> Going back to this rule of thumb, Paul provides the church in Corinth with a good rule of thumb. Again, there is no strict laws enforcing what he's about to say, but it is generally in the person's best interest to observe these guidelines so much as they can. And just what is this rule of thumb, you might be asking? Well, here it is. 
Live according to your calling in whatever condition you were called. Live according to your calling in whatever condition you were called. Or in other words, remain as you are in your current circumstances. Remain as you are in your current circumstances. We see this in a few verses of our passage this evening. Uh, Verse 17. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. And then in verse 20, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. And then in verse 24, so brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. So in order order to understand this principle, we have to understand what is the nature of this calling. He keeps using this word called. You're called. You're called. In whatever condition each was called. What does Paul mean? Well, there are two types of calling we see in the Bible, and neither of them have to do with one's vocation. The Bible doesn't really use calling the way that we do. We often say, I'm called to ministry, or the Lord's calling me to marry him, or the Lord's calling me to fast today. And I get what we mean by things like that. And so I can be generous with our usage of the word called or calling, but it doesn't change the fact that the Bible doesn't use that word in the same sense that we do. No, there are two types of calling in the Bible. There's a general calling there's an effectual calling. There is a general call to all people as Jesus invites everyone, for instance, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But there's also what's called an effectual call, a call that has an effect that Jesus often mentions in his conversations with his disciples. It gives us a behind-the-scenes look Jesus, just before he welcomes all to come to him and receive his rest, he says, No one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now, there is a mysterious element to how those callings can coexist. But it is also rather simple in some ways. You see, we are all called to repent, to turn from our sins, and to trust Jesus. To those of us who have accepted that call, who have repented and believed, we are to live out what is revealed of us, revealed to us. And that is what Paul is urging the church in Corinth to do. More than anything, he desires for them to live according to your effectual calling. Or as we learned in our very first sermon in this series last semester, if we are called to be saints, we should act like saints. If God has called us to be saints, his holy ones, then we should do that in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. It's a rule of thumb delivered to all the churches, Paul says. So it should transcend any context. 
part of our task then tonight is to see some of the conditions the Corinthians were under when they were called. I think we'll find that they are quite similar to the circumstances in which we find ourselves today. So again, Paul's principle, live according to your calling in whatever condition you were called. But tonight, I want to give you three applications to Paul's calling principle. Three applications for us for Paul's calling principle. The first of which, live according to your calling in whatever relational condition you're currently in. Live according to your calling in whatever relational condition you're currently in. Uh, We saw Paul submit this as an option last week. Remember, this whole chapter started off by answering the question, does all sex defile? And his answer was no. In fact, he taught that God encourages a husband and a wife to have sex regularly to fight off the temptation to give themselves over to sexual immorality. But then he focuses his attention to single believers and believers who are married into a conflicted home. That is a home with another, uh, with an unbeliever. His advice to those who weren't married yet is given to us earlier in this same chapter, chapter 7, verses 6 through 9. We read last week. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, that is to say, single. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind, marriage, one of another, singleness. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single, as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion, he says. And his advice to those who are in a conflicted home, right, married to someone who wasn't a follower of Jesus, he says to stay together because that believer could have a holy influence on his or her spouse that could lead to that person's salvation. And beyond that, the salvation of their children. In last week's passage, we see very clearly that Paul is urging all three subgroups of people married, single, and conflicted, to remain in their current condition. The most strict he gets is in speaking to the husband and wife who both claim to be believers. He says in verses 10 and 11, to the married, I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should uh, remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. Paul maintains that it is in one's best interest to live out one's calling in his or her current condition. This is wisdom. This is the ideal he esteems before his audience. Hate it all you want. Fight it as much as you like. Paul's best word of advice as it pertains to your relational condition is to remain single. And that may bother you. But if you resolve to live out that calling in your current condition, God will bless it. 
He will. If you resolve that you are going to glorify God with every ounce of time, every minute you have as a single man or woman, the Lord will bless it. If you shake your fist at God and demand your way, you will hinder your relationship with God and could miss out on the opportunity to participate in his kingdom work. Now, admittedly, before I was married, I've been on both ends of that spectrum. I've been discouraged. I've been demanding. And I've been outright disobedient. And it didn't do me a lick of good. Not one bit. But there was a time when I leveraged my relational condition. Uh, back in 2017, I was the fourth and fifth grade ministry director here at Bellevue. It was a good job. And I felt a sense of fulfillment to get to teach the Bible to preteens and see them grow as they applied God's word to their lives at their age. But all the while, there was this question hanging over my head, uh, what am I doing with this season of singleness? What am I doing to leverage it for all that it's worth? And the answer was nothing. I could have been doing that job in that season of life, whether I was single or married. And so the follow-up question used to be, or ended up being, what could I do right now? What could I do right now that I couldn't do if I was married? And that's where the Lord started to work in my heart. What can I do right now that I couldn't do if I was married? And with all the other variables going on in my life, he started to answer that question. Well, you like being in the classroom because you're a weirdo. Why don't you go to seminary? Why don't you go on campus? Why don't you go full time? You're preparing for the pastorate. Why don't you receive the theological training that you need to be able to do that and to do it well? And so that is what led me to take one of the biggest steps of faith I ever have in my spiritual journey. To leverage my season of singleness for every bit of its worth now, could I have gone to the, to the seminary if I was married? Sure, but it would have cost a lot more money and been a lot more of a headache. Instead of knocking it out while I'm a single guy with nothing else to do. And I saw the Lord grow me over those two and a half years as I drank from a fire hose. I left the only home I knew. I left a, a great family, a great church family, some friends, but the Lord used every bit of it. He blessed it. And I know he'd do the same for you. Long story short, the Lord blessed it because I lived according to my calling and my relational condition at that time. But another application for Paul's calling principle is secondly, live according to your calling in whatever spiritual condition you're currently in. Live according to your calling in whatever spiritual condition you're currently in. 
And we see that in verses 17 through 19. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at, that, at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at that time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision, for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor, uns, not, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Uh, Paul applies his principle to the topic of circumcision, a, a religious act based on the old covenant of God's people. Uh, gotquestions.org is a great resource. I submit to you as well worth uh, your time and your questions. Uh, as you're reading through the Bible or you're thinking uh, thoughts about who God is and what he's uh, revealed about himself in God's word, as you have a question, enter it into that search bar at gotquestions.org, and I bet they have something of significance to show you from God's word. Um, they had this to say about circumcision, because I didn't want to write anything myself. Uh, circumcision is the surgical removal of the foreskin of a male. The word circumcised literally means to cut around. As a religious rite, circumcision was required of all Abraham's descendants as a sign of the covenant God made with him. That's in Genesis 17. The Mosaic law repeated the requirement uh, in Leviticus 12. And Jews, Jews throughout the centuries have continued to practice circumcision. Uh, circumcision was a sign of the old covenant, but when Jesus took on flesh and dwelt on earth, that initiated what's called the new covenant. And new covenant people are not required to bear the mark of the old covenant. And that is what Paul is getting at at this part of the passage. He's saying, live according to your calling and whatever spiritual condition you're currently in. Uh, Paul's always bringing up this, this topic of circumcision in his letters because he feels the tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. Um, the circumcised and the uncircumcised. Paul's letter to the Galatians, which was written before 1 Corinthians, covers the development of the church taking a stance on whether or not circumcision was going to be required for non-Jews, that is, Gentile believers. Eventually, all the leaders in the church in Jerusalem agreed that Gentiles were not required to become Jews before becoming Christians. Thus, they did not have to be circumcised. All right, I say all that to say what? What does this have to do with us, you're asking? Well, it's an important reminder that we are no longer bound by the old covenant. Praise the living God. But the new covenant does, does require obedience of us. Now, it isn't an obedience to earn salvation because you can. You cannot earn or deserve salvation. Salvation is the grace of God that you receive, a gift that you receive. But that same grace that saves us empowers us to live lives obedient to the commands of God, which is why Paul finishes this thought with keeping the commandments of God. He says it in there in verse 20, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. There were laws in the old covenant that God's people were commanded to keep. Circumcision was just one of them. We see that it is rendered obsolete by the new covenant, but that cannot be said for all the commandments in the Old Testament. 
Many of them carried over, and we, we hear about some of those in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus delivers, don't we? For us, we obeyed a commandment when we came to faith. Repent and believe is the first commandment we ever follow as a born-again believer in Christ. But there are more commandments for us to learn and to keep. Again, not to work for our salvation, but to walk in salvation. And that's Paul's main point. Live according to your calling. What's God's calling on my life? For you to be holy as he is holy. In order to do that, we are helped by diving into both the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. That's why we read the Old Testament and the New Testament. There is much to be gained from looking at what was foreshadowed about Jesus before Jesus came on the scene. What does it look like to live according to our current spiritual condition? It looks like keeping the commandments of Jesus as you have heard them preached and taught in your time as a Christian. You would do well to learn the commandments of Christ in order that you could keep them by the power of God's grace. Uh, it has been my personal goal recently to familiarize myself with the commands of, of Jesus in particular. Uh, and you heard me quote this verse. Uh, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's our Lord and Savior. That's the one who has ultimate authority over you and me. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I love Jesus. And I want to do my best to keep his commandments. And so what that requires of me uh, lately is that I take one commandment of Jesus a day and ask the Lord to help me keep that command. One commandment a day. I did some research, found some commands of Jesus all throughout the Gospels, and one at a day, one a day. I will pray and ask God to help me keep that commandment. So for instance, last week, um, it was the commandment, enter through the narrow gate. Now, if you're thinking like what I'm thinking, like I've already done that. Check. <laughs> but with that, it says, that path is difficult. Enter by the narrow gate. But it's difficult. So I, I thank God for, Lord, thank you for showing me the entrance to the narrow gate. Thank you that, Lord, I walked through it and, and you, you kept me from the highway of destruction. But Lord, I see with this commandment that it is difficult to walk this path. So God, would you give me the endurance, give me the strength that I need to obey this command? And that's it for that day. Another one I came up on was do not divorce. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I was a single adult, I glazed over that command. It didn't have much to do with me. But now, it is very significant. Not that I would think that I would want to be divorced, but I thank God that that command's in Scripture so I can fight any thought that may pop up one day. Lord, I don't want to be divorced, but God, would you help me 
to keep this command by fighting off any thought I might have when things aren't as good as they are right now. Then today's. Do not fear man who can kill the body. Fear God who can kill both the body and the soul. There's a lot of fear of man going around today. I need a lot of help with that one, if I'm being honest. To fear God first and foremost and alone. That would be reverent towards him. Respect his law. Do my best to observe that which he has given me to observe. And to not let fear of man overtake me. In fact, it's, it's something like that said in verse 23, right? In, the, in this text, do not, be over, uh, do not become bondservants of men. I think sometimes as single adults, you likely become bondservants to men as you think more about what's going to please man rather than please God. And you're not alone. It's the same for me. So I ask God, Lord, help me to fear you and to not fear man. And do you think he hears that prayer? Do you think he answers that prayer? I think he does. He sees the genuine desire of my heart to be obedient to what he has called me to. So I commend that practice to you. Research the commands of Jesus Christ. I'm reading through the New Testament right now. And if I spot them, I'm like, oh, that's a good one. I'm marking that one down. And the last application of Paul's calling principle is third, live according to your calling in whatever vocational condition you're currently in. Live according to your calling in whatever vocational condition you're currently in. We see that in verses 20 through 24. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. Take it. For he who, has, who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Uh, we must have a right understanding of the Roman institution of slavery if we're going to understand this rightly. Uh, the Roman institution of being a bondservant or a slave was far more civil and somewhat respectful than the blight on our nation's history and around the globe that occurred during the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries. For instance, Slaves were generally permitted to work for pay and save up to buy their freedom. Many servants were given responsibility over immense amounts of money. At no point does Scripture condone the trafficking of human beings. I want to make that very clear. And in fact, there are a few places where enslavers are listed among other sinners. So what is Paul saying here? He says that the bondservant shouldn't be overly concerned with obtaining his freedom. Isn't that interesting? And his reason is that the bondservant has been freed 
in the Lord Jesus. And yet the, the freedman is a bondservant of Jesus. And it's with this that we arrive at Paul's point. Live according to your calling in whatever vocational condition you're currently in. Your goal right now, as it pertains to your vocation, your job, wherever you are working should be to do that ordinary, mundane work, responsibilities as a faithful follower of Jesus. Show the excellencies of Jesus Christ in the workplace and witness to those working around you. Why does God have you in this dead-end job? Maybe to change somebody's eternity. It might. Paul tells the bondservant that if he or she can obtain his or her freedom, he, sh he or she should do so. If we carry this thought over to today, we can assume that it's fine for you to change your jobs. I know there's a lot of that going around right now. And that's okay. That's not a bad thing. But don't always expect the grass to be greener on the other side of the fence. A change in vocation won't always solve your problems. In fact, it might just compound them. We don't want to stray far from the big idea that Paul's conveying here. He recalls something that was mentioned in chapter 6, and again here in verse 23, he says, You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants to men. And you remember what he says in chapter 6? It's, it's very similar. He says, You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Jesus has paid our debt. He has both freed us and bound us to himself. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are both bound and free. And that's why I had Chelsea read John chapter 8 for us in our scripture reading, because if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed regardless of any job you hold at any given moment. In Christ, we are free. We have been freed from the shackles of sin. We are no longer slaves to lawlessness as we once were. Jesus has set the captive free to walk in the abundant life that he has for us. It is spiritual freedom that leads to human flourishing. Paul's rule of thumb would have you to remain single, focus on the commands of Jesus, and keep your current job, and do it to the glory of God, as we'll read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. It says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, I've taught on this verse in our work and rest series of what can we do with God's glory, right? We can cloud it, right? Make it less uh, visible because of our sin, the sins that we commit in front of others. God's glory stays the same. How much are we going to show his glory in our lives? That's the question. But we don't have to live that way. Right? If we live 
out the teachings of Jesus Christ empowered by the Holy Spirit, we get to magnify God's glory. And that's what I want for you. It's to glorify God, whether you are single or married. Whether you're here at Bellevue Baptist Church or any other church in the Mid-South or the world. Whatever job you're working, dead end or not, whether you're living it out and you're feeling the sense of fulfillment or it is an absolute misery to go in every day. All that you do, do to the glory of God. Which brings us to our point for the night. Live according to your calling as a single adult involved at Bellevue Baptist Church working the job you have right now. Start there. You know the Lord's called you to live what he has revealed to you in Scripture. You find yourself to be single. Right now you're on the campus at 2000 Appling Road where the saints of Bellevue Baptist Church gather. Be an active church member or participant. And work that job that you have right now. Sure, something better might come. But right now, just be faithful with where you are. God wants to see you honor him in your current circumstances. God is calling you to live according to your calling. In other words, live out what he has revealed to you in his word. Focus on obeying the commands of Jesus as a single adult, active in the church, working whatever job you have. Let him be the one who works on your behalf to change your conditions. As we saw last week, you definitely have a say in what you do. I'm not disregarding that. You definitely have a say in what you do. Your desires aren't irrelevant to God. And at the same time, they are not all that matters. We all have questions about where our lives are headed and it usually, usually voices itself in that question, what is God's calling for your life? Put all your time and attention into pleasing God in your current circumstances, and he will begin to show you little by little what he's doing to change your circumstances. What I know about God is that he delights in giving his children good gifts. That's our God but he is also careful not to give you something that would become an idol that would rob worship from him because he is a jealous God. And he and he alone is worthy of our worship. He has called us to his own glory and excellence. Second Peter 1.3 says, if I can give you one phrase that got me through a particularly difficult season of singleness, here's what I would tell you. God is merciful to keep you single in this season of life. God is merciful to keep you single in this season of life. There are so many ways you can grow as a believer right now before you potentially get married someday. So live according to that calling as a single adult 
and leverage it for all that it's worth. And I promise you, you'll never regret it.